Hello, hello. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. I I think we we need to have a conversation, Zach, about um, something pretty important that came up came up last night about uh, cheese pizza. Oh I yeah. Heard, I heard you were slandering cheese pizza. Yeah. Well, I we you know we were texting you about pizza, and you said your go-to was cheese pizza, and I just think that that's like the lamest choice you could have. I, I don't understand, like, okay, my logic has always been that, you know, if you go to a new pizza place and you're not 100% sure how good the pizza is going to be, just go for the most basic thing and get a baseline. I, like, I just don't see that logic, like... It, I guess it depends on like dietary restrictions. Like if you don't eat meat, I can understand. But like, if you oh, are sure, just like, yeah. you'll eat whatever, then like, why wouldn't you just go with pepperoni? That's like the classic pizza that you can't go wrong with. Because sometimes the pepperoni is like so bad because it's, it's like way too greasy. And then you're like dabbing your pizza with a napkin or whatever. That's disgusting. Okay. Well now we're like in the new territory, which is that like, that is quitter behavior. Like if you're dabbing your pizza, <laughs> you've already lost, like you've given up. Maybe it's cause I'm a girl and I've been socialized to like eat less fat. And the grease has always been like extra gross to me because of that. I see pulling the girl card, huh? <laughs> yeah. Real <laughs> going big id Paul hours right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, I like, okay. So if I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to this place. And well, for one, like the pepperoni argument, I don't feel like I've ever gone somewhere. And I was like, oh, they have great pizza, um, but the pepperoni's gross. Like, that's just weird. Like mm. if you can't make a pepperoni pizza, then you probably can't make pizza, you know, unless it's like a weird, like vegan pizza place or something. You know? Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I am not a vegan, so I don't know anything about that, but I can't, I mean, this is all like, hypothetical for me because I am lactose intolerant and so I cannot <laughs> eat <laughs> I cannot eat pizza anymore but when I could I would just go with a, ba- a nice basic cheese and then you can really enjoy the bread and you can really enjoy the sauce and, okay <laughs> wait so <laughs> you can't have pizza anymore and you're not like man I really wasted it all these years on eating cheese pizza like I really could have had something good no I love it I wish that I could have cheese pizza why because like what what are some toppings you like like if you were if you were like um the pizza terrorists kidnapped you they put a gun to your head and they said order toppings or else like what toppings are you getting oh okay well okay here see this is the thing though is that because I am like a bougie bitch and I (laughs) like I like like um I don't know like feta I like like a salad pizza I want like lettuce and a, like arugula and not kale. lettuce you want the arugula. kale not the kale fuck kale <laughs> I want I want like arugula and I want like a pear like sliced pear what? and I want like is that yeah, even no, a thing I, it's a, that's a have, thing that exists do you, do you guys have pizzicato down there I don't know what that means maybe <laughs> I you probably don't I think it might be a port like an Oregon thing but um Oh, inside baseball. I'm from Oregon. Uh, Yeah, no, I like like bougie people. Like, like I wouldn't go to like Domino's and get like olives and bell peppers and sausage and so like that sounds disgusting to me because like I know it all just came from a can. I mean, I guess. But but... if the pizza terrorists came for me, okay. Honestly, I would would want pepperoni. I would want pepperoni. Okay. All right. That's respectful. I was going to say, if the pizza terrorists came to you and you said, I want pear, they would shoot you in the head on site. They would shoot and they would be right. They would be right. uh, Exactly. Okay. I'm glad you said it because yeah, they (laughs) would be right. Like if they were like, hey, MASH died. And I was like, no, what happened? And they were like, pizza terrorists. They asked her what topping and she said pears. I'd be like, I mean, honestly, kind of tough to be that sad. Like. Like, it's sad, but, like, you really, you brought it on yourself, you know, not to victim blame, but, you know, probably should have said there. I mean, fair. I, re- I really can't argue with that. And I fully admit, I'm a bougie bitch. And like I said, like, when I, when I make my own pizza with my fucking, like, special crust and my special dietary things, I, I'll put figs on them. 
I don't care. I'll put like, you know, a $5 tin uh, or a container of cherry tomatoes. I'll put fresh ass basil. Well, I can respect that. Like cherry tomatoes are bomb. Like Tia eats her pizza (laughs) exclusively like cheese pizza with tomatoes. That's it. And I make fun of her for that though. So. Yeah, that's like you, like she orders pizza with cheese and tomatoes. Yes. Extra cheese and only tomatoes. That's, that's the pizza. Huh, that's a little weird. That's like seems like too much tomato for me, actually, because the, you got tomato sauce. Yeah, I mean, I guess you got to be into tomatoes, but like honestly, like I still at least it's not like just cheese. Like she has one topping, even if it's like a boring topping. At least there's a topping, you know. Okay, Zach. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Just because we're talking about this, like controversial pizza things, like you know, pineapple on pizza, is that like yes or no? Um, okay, here's the thing is that I don't have a problem with pineapple on pizza, but I do have a problem with Canadian bacon, which is usually the combo. Yeah. Okay. I don't like Canadian bacon. How come? It's just like, I I don't really like ham that much. And that's just kind of, it's like, there's just ham on my pizza. Yeah. It feels like. I don't I don't like share any animosity toward Canadian bacon like it's that's fine it's not like a go-to but um yeah it's fine I'm okay with pineapple on pizza it depends on the yeah. pizza I guess I don't like I just don't like things that are really sweet like sweet and savory oh, okay. shouldn't mix in my mind it depends but like, oh no man I'm all about this I'm all about like those weird like when I was in middle school this was a weird thing that I got really into Asian pears you know those kind of like hard textured yeah. like crunchy pears i kind of know i've had one yeah they're good. and parmesan cheese <clears throat> just like just like hard like sliced parmesan cheese off of like a brick of parmesan <laughs> wait but how do you eat that like you you like you like slice slight... the parmesan uh-huh and you slice the pear and you just eat it yeah it's pretty bougie honestly anytime it involves a pear but then you like named a cheese i can't name any cheeses parmesan what the hell is that oh my god (laughs) it's the it's that white powdery stuff oh yeah i I know what it is it goes on pizza you know it's a good pizza topping cheese (laughs) yeah it's the 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 powdered stuff that's how most people know it okay all right yeah that's i don't know i guess i'm like less against sweet and savory now when i was younger i was like this is this is disgusting. I want to just fight whoever invented this. And I was like six, but now, you know, I'm an adult. I'm not a picky eater. I'll eat whatever. So. I, I like to pretend that I'm not a picky eater, but I'm definitely a picky eater. I'm just not picky. I'm not like an exclusively picky eater. Like I like, I like lots of things, but I like certain things like very specific ways. Well, I guess in fairness, like you have dietary restrictions. So like, I, I think you're allowed to be a picky eater to some degree. Like Everyone just... says that and I appreciate the, you know, the validation, but I, I don't like to blame it on that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's fair. At least you're honest about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. So I really try not to talk about it. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Well, that was uh, left in fighting. Yeah. Yeah. We'd be fighting sometimes. Real- Real controversial. Yeah. There'll be more of that. Next time we'll scream. It'll we'll build up to it. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll build up to like more more and more serious topics. Yes. And then we'll have our big falling out. Oh, that'll be perfect. The series finale of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be how we nice. get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> One of us is like, yeah, I'm kind of over this. We gotta just like we gotta have a up. fight. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. That's and that's how it'll all end in a wonderful blaze of glory, mm-hmm. as as all podcasts should. Remember, like in the first when we were talking, or yeah, it was the first episode, and we were like, I was like, do podcasts ever end? Like this is how yeah. it ends. Yeah, no, it's like uh, Butch Bears Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. You just gotta just yes. it's a shootout. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes, exactly. <laughs> This is not a propaganda program. Brothers and sisters, it's time we ask, what the communists What do the communists do? I had my way about it. They'd all be sent back to Russia. Empeñados en resistirnos 
a esa tesis que viene del norte. Alguien me decía hace poco que todo lo malo no viene del norte. De la era tecnotrónica, que las ideologías ya no sirven, que están de modé. No, nos resistimos, no lo aceptamos. Un American Activity. This week, we watched Big Jim McLean, a John Wayne 1952 non-Western, directed by Edward Ludwig. And yeah, it follows John Wayne as a HUAC investigator who goes off to Hawaii to shut down a ring of evil communists. And uh, him and his partner just kind of walk around the island. Large chunks of it are just honestly them walking around the island aimlessly. Uh, he falls in love with the first white girl he finds and uh, they have adventures. She is very hot. <laughs> yeah, no, she's a baddie. We already talked about it. Mash mm-hmm. has a crush on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's basically the movie. I mean, it's it's like them going through talking to various like reformed communists who talk about how evil communism is and they're glad that they snapped out of it. Uh, the movie is just one big ad for the good work of the folks over at HUAC, which is like really funny too, because um, I honestly, I can't really see how anybody anywhere on the political spectrum would be like, yeah, this movie's aged well, because like, even if you're an ultra conservative and hate communists, like most of them are still like, yeah, HUAC, you know, not great, right? They're like those innocent, <laughs> those innocent movie stars who weren't communist, right? Like, isn't that like right. just a general thing? Like my ultra conservative history teachers still were like, yeah, Hueck, not great. That MacArthur right. he- got him. Yeah, Hueck was like a real, uh, like kind of an embarrassment because it wasn't really that successful and it just beca- it just turned into a spectacle and and a witch hunt of the worst kind. And yeah, if it, if it had been more successful, they'd probably be... It, the the revisionist history would be a little different but iconic heroes yeah well i mean yeah. it's, it's sort of this movie is sort of fitting then because um huac is not successful in this movie either <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> stays true to form in that yeah no I, the real there is some realism here john wayne really delivered on that uh at the end of the movie they have essentially like foiled the communist plot and they have the evidence to arrest all of the communists and then they all just go free because they they plead the fifth and uh, and they're released. And John Wayne's like, why do I keep doing it? But he's like, I, you know, I'm a patriotic American. We got to we got to fight these commies. And that's that's the movie. Like, it's such a weirdly anticlimactic ending uh, where like the entire plot of the movie has been like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to shut down these communists. And then they're just free to go. And he's like, ah, and it's weird too because like you'd think that there would be a little bit more of like this big picture like oh the communists like want to destroy the american way of life like blah 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 that kind of like uh more targeted animosity but it really is this movie really is just about this like one group of communists like this this gang that is operating out of hawaii and also i would just like I would argue that uh, the communists actually sort of sabotage themselves. Like, oh, yeah. John Wayne doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> John Wayne for, like... <laughs> doesn't. He gets his ass beat in the only fight in the movie. <laughs> I, I think I, I haven't seen. I haven't sent this to you yet, but I took a screenshot of the scene like where he gets his ass beat, and it's just like him. <laughs> Let me turn my video on and show it to you because it's. Okay. Um, <laughs> his goofy smile oh his face is all like fucked up yeah and his ties all jacked and like i think this should be our album cover or the uh cover oh, art for this episode. that's so good yes it's it's very anticlimactic it's you know trying really hard to sell this message of like uh yes the good old huac boys but <laughs> it really just doesn't make sense no, it doesn't. It's so funny. The The communist plot, I guess I missed that because it's it's not all that notable, but the, the communist plot is that essentially the communists are going to create a virus like outbreak um, to... What? Did you miss that? 
I'm pretty sure that yeah. happened. Uh, keep talking. Maybe I'll okay. maybe it'll jump. No, well, that was the thing. Is like it's mentioned so briefly. I was like, I didn't dream that, right? Like that's what happened. Uh, so there's the big bad, vaguely European dude, communist who um, is just like he doesn't he doesn't give a fuck about the the common communists. You know, he's just using those people. At one point, he says after the plot is finished that they will quote liquidate them. Um, yeah, you know, good guy. Um, yeah he's super evil and he's like like i think the the vibe is kind of like okay we're we're using these like you know american wannabe communists to advance the cause of like the real communist party which is like you know it's a it's never uh, named specifically but theory you know in we can posit that um he's a member of like a soviet um communist party he's like vaguely eastern european Right. Yeah. Vaguely Eastern European, like sort of slight accent. Uh, yeah. comes straight from Stalin himself, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So like at one point in the movie, he's sort of talking about the plan. And I think this is the only time, like there's a possibility. I just like missed the shit out of some stuff. I won't lie, but I took pretty decent notes. Um, he's talking about the plan and he says that like, they're going to create an outbreak because they're they're like the the implication of it is that there aren't enough uh like problems to convince people to join the cause anymore uh the they say that like the labor and wage issues just aren't enough which is which is so weird it's like is the (laughs) implication that you know labor and wages are just good now so nobody has right okay i i do remember that and i remember being like uh i feel like that is kind of relevant like like that's they need a new reason to recruit communists they need a new disaster or catastrophe to recruit communists because things are too good in the old us of a yeah and and they're they're doing that through hawaii which is weird because you pointed out hawaii was not a state in 1952 oh yeah do we want to go into this little history? Because I, I did write some, write up some, some yeah, notes on this. This is a good transition. We've covered the plot. Good segue. Good segue. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, as Zach just said, uh, Hawaii was not a state when this movie was filmed. And Zach told me, too, that it was actually filmed on location in Hawaii, uh, which is cool. But um, so I wanted to take this opportunity to give a little background on the history of Hawaii and, like, how it became state and and all that because a lot of people don't know this and i think they should because it's really fucked up and um yeah so i'm not going to go into everything but rest assured the entire history from the very first moment that like white people um set foot on the hawaiian islands is completely despicable in the, classic white people fashion it's classic white people shit it's you know it's uh, the islands of hawaii have been used and all of the islands of the pacific basically but you know hawaii specifically have been used as the the pawn of empire for hundreds of years and the result has been huge environmental and cultural destruction and uh, i mean a, a perfect example of this is just that the beginning of like colonizer contact in Hawaii um, was the the first missionaries and settlers in the 1700s and this brought like a plague of smallpox that killed hundreds of thousands of native Hawaiians and so I you know very important to acknowledge the fact that like the interaction between between the people of Hawaii and the white man was a genocide brought on by disease uh which, uh, you know, basically don't go to Hawaii during a pandemic. Shout out to everyone who has made the smart decision to not go to Hawaii this year. And a big middle finger to the people who have ignored that. Um, so in 1898, uh, the basically the white, like the American settlers and some British probably forced the queen of Hawaii because Hawaii used to have like a monarchy. It had like several generations of a monarchy. But then in 1898, there had been settlers there for a while. And these white dudes were like, yeah, no, we're going to like establish a republic so that we can basically do a coup and get rid of this queen. And so they held the 
the queen uh, whose name is um, Lili Uokalani, Lili Uokalani, I, it's, I'm never going to say it right, but it's a beautiful name. They held her hostage like at gunpoint basically and were like, okay, we're, you're like, you sign this paper. We're going to establish this Republic. You can be like the kind of like nominal head of the Republic, but we are going to like do everything. Um, and this was of course backed by the U S military. It's kind of like an interesting combination of uh, like capital and, and military working together because it, these the guys who established this government, the, the American like planters who established this government were just like plantation owners, sugar, bananas, pineapples, uh, Sanford Dole being the, uh, the big name one that we would recognize today. Uh, yeah. Um, part of the reason that the U.S. like wanted to like get this big foothold in Hawaii and eventually annex it as a state was in order to prevent Japan from doing the same thing because, you know, at the time Japan was like a growing empire and Japan was like, um, you know, muscling in on other Pacific territories and uh, say what you want about the Japanese empire, which was also like not really, they weren't really like nice people or whatever. So the na- it wouldn't have been good for native Hawaiians either way, but the U S was like, nah, we're going to like defeat the Japanese and we'll have a foothold in, in the Pacific, uh, by taking over Hawaii. So it was annexed basically in 1898 as the Republic of Hawaii. And uh, I was formally known as like a territory, a U.S. territory. Um, and then there was eventually a referendum uh, where like, you know, citizens of Hawaii voted 93% in favor of becoming a, a state. And then there was like a, you know, an official act passed by or, or signed by President Eisenhower in 1959 that made it a state. But um, the the general consensus among like Hawaiians today, Native Hawaiians especially, but a lot of people today is that the entire process of acquisition of the, you know, the territory of Hawaii, now the state of Hawaii, was an illegal process and it's completely illegitimate and it was seized, you know, by white people in the 1700s. And then from then on, it was like manipulated and um, in every way possible to make the conditions for its eventual total subjugation possible. And this involved um, the division of farmland, you know, taking it away from uh, like individual uh clans or like you know shared communes that the way that the native hawaiians originally organized the land and their agriculture and turning it into just like you know modern like american style plantations uh and basically enslaving the native hawaiians um and so that you know obviously set up like a really obvious classic american sort of caste style Jim Crow system where, you know, native Hawaiians are at the bottom, any like Japanese or uh, other Pacific Islander immigrants were kind of, you know, slightly above the bottom and then the white people at the top. Uh, yeah, basically it's fucked up. You should never go to Hawaii, leave people alone. Uh, um, if you don't know anything about the, um, Mauna Kea, like activist movement or the conflict or whatever you want to call it about the, um, 30 meter telescope that happened last year. I think maybe it started in 2018. I I, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, if you don't know anything about that, that is something that really like kind of radicalized me towards, um, you know, you know, very strong support for Hawaiian liberation, like why should not be a state or, you know, well, the United States shouldn't exist, <laughs> but you, you feel me like anyway, the the point is the point of me bringing this up is that like just the fact that this movie is set in Hawaii when it was not even a state. It was literally an occupied territory uh, made up of like, you know, many races of people. And then, you know, these crazy Americans just like show up in Hawaii and they're there to catch communists like it's it's really just truly wild and it's a great example of like you know american imperial arrogance too because it's just like what you don't we we didn't have a right to be there and and yet 
here they are, you know? Well, they're protecting the naive natives from the dangers of communism. You got to understand that. Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, and it's interesting, like most of the Communist Party members that are like shown in the movie, they're, you know, it's like, like we were talking about, it's just those two European guys who really have a, like a role and a, a you know, a developed character. Right. Um, but when you see their, their meetings, there's like, there are Japanese people, there are, you know, people who are ostensibly like native Hawaiian, there are other white people, uh, like regular Americans or whatever. Um, and like maybe mainlanders, you know? And hmm. so it, it, to me, that's just like, yeah, no, the communist party like appeals to all kinds of like oppressed nationalities and like you know, both men and women, there were, you know, notably women in the, in these like group meetings of communists. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had that kind of like 50s style, like liberated woman where they're like wearing trousers and smoking <laughs> cigarettes, which is very scandalous for a yes. woman to do at the time. And so these, all of these people, like the Japanese people, the Hawaiian people, any of the like Filipino or other Asian uh, immigrants to Hawaii, were all like deeply disenfranchised and like subjugated by the um, the colonizer state, you know, the colonizer government, because that was part of the whole thing of white people occupying Hawaii was to like take, you know, have supremacy over the labor force, uh, particularly the brown labor force. And, and this, like, I mean, it's just kind of despicable. It just carries on to today that like because of U.S. intervention and occupation of Hawaii and like, you know, we built all these hotels and military bases and, and all of this like tourist infrastructure, Native Hawaiian people are still the poorest, sickest, the most jobless and homeless people in Hawaii. And so going back to like the the context of the movie like it makes sense that the most oppressed people would find themselves involved with communist organizing or that communists would try to target uh and recruit oppressed people in hawaii because uh communism is is fundamentally an anti-imperialist ideology and this is you know literally a you know a a subject of u.s empire this the the territory of hawaii so that's all I had to say about that. Um, also, just a quick plug for the Hawaiian language. The Hawaiian language is extremely fucking cool. And uh, you can, yeah, you can learn about Hawaii and Hawaiian culture and food and music and language and everything without being a dirty colonizer and going there. Well, this has been History with Mesh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> also, on the note of... Um you know, just addressing the, the Hawaiians. And um, I know what people might be thinking, but surprisingly no yellow face in this movie. Oh yeah. That is, yeah. That is a good point. Yeah. yeah there were like actual uh, Japanese actors and actresses who weren't like, you know, crazily stereotyped or anything. They were just kind of doing their thing. Like I even, I think the chief of police was, um, he plays himself. Yeah, he's guy. Yeah. yeah. He, he's like, I don't know himself, but he plays the chief of police, the chief of police. Yeah. Yeah. The chief of police. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which is funny. Um, in, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and from what I was reading, it sounds like, uh, some of the scenes in that movie, they just kind of, or at least it's assumed, I guess it's not like, a fact necessarily but um people have always figured that parts of that movie they were just kind of stealing shots like you know shooting so the people around are actually just you know people observing them shoot the movie basically uh instead of Mm -hmm. like actual extras which is just kind of a a neat touch i guess oh yeah so a part of this movie that is really funny I, i read it somewhere else somewhere else said that it's like basically just half travelogue and that's totally true. Like you can tell that they're showing you, um, you know, Hawaii is a, a cool, beautiful place and they really take advantage of the fact that they're shooting. I would assume most of it in Hawaii. Like they, I know that they said they shot it. It's all shot on location, but I'm sure some of those are like sets in Hollywood, like specifically, like there's a scene where they're eating together and the background is very clearly not a real background. They're probably <laughs> in, a, in a, you know, Hollywood studio for that, but, but yeah, you can tell, um, 
but it is it's actually Hawaii, which is you know an interesting location. And it was uh, if you watch some of the advertisements, I assume from the time, I guess it could have been afterward, but um, the advertisement that I watched for it really like highlights that they filmed it in Hawaii. Uh, mm. So I guess it does sort of have that that kind of travelogue element just ingrained in it because uh, it's a marketing uh, a piece of the right. Market. Well, and I think that's interesting because like, obviously, even before um, Hawaii became a state, it was already a tourist destination. Mm-hmm. And there were, you know, plenty of Americans like ma- mainlander Americans living there, building up this enormous tourist industry. Like, uh, I think it, uh, when they're on the plane early in like when they are headed from DC to Hawaii, they're on the plane and you, they, you see these like sweeping vistas of the of the islands and the stewardess is describing like oh and on your right you can see the you know the beautiful Waikiki hotel like blah 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 and it's like yeah these are still like you know these are the oldest examples of like U.S. like capitalism taking over these islands mm-hmm. so and at the time you know 1950s probably a pretty big deal for most americans to like take a trip to to a tropical island you know yeah diving into some analysis of this movie we we sort of talked about it Uh, the movie is like cinematically you said you thought it was pretty good um yeah i thought it like it was nice and it was vibey because of the the whole Hawaii thing. Like you, like you said, there's always like a nice breeze. There's these beautiful, I, I love the clothes. Like Nancy Olsen's outfits are all oh, yeah. just beautiful. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. Uh, well, that's what's so funny about it to me um, is that it's like, honestly, if you watch it, uh, there's very clearly like three different movies going on. One is like, <laughs> This yeah. is a John Wayne action movie, but it's really like a horrible John Wayne action movie because, you know, there's the one fight scene at the end that is so anticlimactic and it's, you know, nothing, it's, it's like 10 seconds and he just gets his right. ass beat. Like it's so, it's, it would almost be cool if it wasn't like clearly intended to be cool, you know, <laughs> like yeah, it's so weird. Uh, so there's that element to it. And then there's like the very, very obvious anti-communist messaging to it, where it is essentially an ad for uh, people to just narc on any communists they know. It, it's a HUAC ad. The whole movie is a HUAC ad designed yes. to make HUAC look good and designed to encourage people to help HUAC in their goal to fight communism at home. Yeah. The whole thing could have been an infomercial. they could have condensed it into an infomercial well and it has there are scenes that it practically like you can hear the old school uh voiceover saying like if you think so-and-so is a communist do the right thing turn them in like you can hear that in scenes almost Uh, it's crazy Mm -hmm. Uh, instead of that sort of narration it's just john wayne narrating it (laughs) Uh, which Which he has the worst voice Yeah, people that thought like the the original Harrison Ford Blade Runner narration is bad, like uh, it's it it looks masterful next to this John Wayne <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> they also yeah. added this is totally secondary, but they something the quality of the audio in that narration, like they kind of made it echoey almost, where it I has this like. That. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did notice that. It did have a weird sort of like, kind of reverb. To it. To, to, I, I just know. to make it more dramatic i don't i don't know it's something yeah. I've, I've seen in other movies like old movies but yeah Wait. yeah no it definitely has that i that, that's kind of a good point i'd be interested to compare it to like another um another narrated 50s movie and see if that stands out or i mean i've seen a bunch of them i just but now that you mention it yeah i did notice that the sound was kind of weird yeah um and then the third part of this movie which is actually like honestly pretty successful is that Mm -hmm. it's this kind of like romantic adventure where John Wayne shacks up with the the first lady he runs into and they just have like cool banter and uh and are like yeah because she's like she's like super smart and cool she's like training to become a psychologist yeah and she works in a doctor's office she's like very cool oh she's super cool she's the best part of the movie like hands down there's no there's no question to it she Um, steals it 
yeah totally uh but but that's what's kind of funny that's what um i i think it's an awful movie like even outside of the the like <laughs> terrible politics and messaging it's just a pretty shittily made movie yeah. like for the most part but uh it's it was not, not fun to watch well yeah but like there are parts of it that are kind of fun to watch like we talked about um where he is going on the like sort of date with the informant and she's all jealous and they have like the, this really fun like witty banter uh, yes. and and the acting is pretty good like i know um the, the john wayne always plays john wayne and he's regarded as like not a good actor um but i mean no, he's, he's terrible he's like pretty he's pretty like competent though at like playing that john wayne character you know like he, oh yeah no he can be he can be john wayne for sure and like yeah. but you just don't necessarily like him that much yeah i mean because it's like that weird you know he's he is like married to his work um yeah and, and his work is dumb and he's dumb um but the well, moments where they're just kind of like going back and forth are pretty fun and like some of the comedic timing is pretty funny no, definitely. The, the dialogue between uh, John Wayne and Nancy Olson and then uh, John, like John Wayne and the drunk blonde lady, um, the informant. Yeah. Hilarious. Like all of that stuff is great. great. That was my favorite part of the movie. I actually had to like rewind and like actually pay attention to that part of the movie because <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, this is actually like kind of cool. Um, also, just again on John Wayne's acting, like I am never convinced by John Wayne as like a romantic interest or as like an object of like sexual desire in any of his movies because he's not a good looking dude he always like no matter how young he is in a movie he always looks old to me and yeah you're you're looking for like a paul newman or a uh robert young robert redford if you're looking for like a hot guy in a you know old movie (laughs) John Wayne is not that guy (laughs) no no he's like definitely well and they kind of make a joke about that where it's like he tells her if all the women in the world look the same they should look like her and then he Mm -hmm. tells him if all the men in the world look the same they should not look like you and that's kind of funny yeah (laughs) yeah I think I think like the youngest John Wayne I've seen off the top of my head is like stagecoach and I think he looks pretty young in stagecoach but uh I mean, that's kind of like the one that I think that was what made him like big. He had been in stuff before that, but that was, I mean, that was like the biggest at the time, I think. Right. Yeah, probably. I've seen his, like, have you seen like his uh, football portrait from when he played football at USC? Oh yeah. I have seen that. I haven't seen that. Yeah. That's a funny one. Classic. Yeah. I mean, he always kind of looks like that. Um, He just has big grandpa vibes. He just always looks like a grandpa to me. He does. He has a grandpa face. And I guess in, I don't know what year he was born, but in 52, I mean, he was clearly like older than her. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely <laughs> yeah. way older than her, which is so weird. And she was already a widow. Like that was another element. Oh yeah. That. Cause she her like, like husband died at war or whatever. He died in Pearl, like in Pearl Harbor. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. So that was, I, I looked it up. I wasn't sure because she had said he reminds her of like a, a boy who, never came back from somewhere and i think the place that she mentioned is like an island off guam because my first oh, instinct is that he died in pearl harbor um, yeah yeah because like they were looking at pearl harbor when she says that or he had just come back from pearl harbor there's a shit ton of that's another thing there's, in this movie they're just at pearl harbor talking about all the patriotic americans that died there like there is such a big part of the movie like i know it's 52 so Um, yeah yeah super close and they they do this dramatic thing of like going to the like the you know the site of the uss arizona Arizona. yeah yeah and the um they drop their lays like in the in the sea Mm -hmm. they like drop their flowers in the sea because of all the you know dead people who are you know lost there yeah very uh classic yeah it's a it's a it's a pretty long sequence of them like (laughs) <laughs> at the USS Arizona site talking about yeah. the significance which is so funny I mean that's like really the reason that I think it's just not good um again outside of the politics and the yeah a very on the yeah. shitty messaging uh, but right. it's just like so mashed together all of these things in such an unwieldy way it's a 90 minute movie and at times it feels a lot longer than that because it's like it's definitely pretty boring when it's focused on the dumb espionage stuff uh but like you know then there's these fun scenes and then it's just like an appeal to all of the brave uh soldiers that have died and it's just it's right. just so weird and it's like for reference on the pacing it opens with them at a huac uh uh 
like testimony thing, mm-hmm. whatever you call it. And um, <laughs> and he's just really pissed because the the people at the HUAC thing are pleading the fifth. And so they're like free to go, uh, which I, it was funny to me too, because they act like, ah, man, they got us. Now they're free to go. But like, realistically, that still had a pretty negative impact on anybody who was dragged into the, the HUAC. Uh, oh, yeah. No, yeah. they had their name dragged through the mud. The mud absolutely. Yeah, they're really, the dude at the beginning is a, a professor who is um, teaching Marxist, Marxism to the, the students. And, and he's like, oh, I hate thinking that my kid could be getting taught by this Marxist. And, uh, and he just pleads the fifth and then he's free to go back to teaching. And I'm like, uh, pretty sure that's not how that would go down at the time, but okay. <laughs> no, he would be 100% blacklisted. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Fucking anymore. Ben Shapiro ass argument. <laughs> right. Nonsense. Um, yeah, so like this happens, and then he gets his mission, goes to Hawaii, and then within like two minutes of being in Hawaii, like I said, he finds like the first white lady he runs into, and like proposes like a scene later. Uh, like it's all just like really, really quick, and then like long well, segments of him like walking around Hawaii looking for communists. Like just dumb. They they don't use any like title cards or anything, but I got the sense that actual like weeks and months were going by yeah no it's that would make sense but they don't they don't specify it at all so yeah it seems like they went on one day and then they get engaged (laughs) but i kind of just figured it was because it's like old timey you know no no that's true people did just do that yeah and she was you know she was of age she was a widow she was you know probably didn't live you know her family was probably from fucking kansas or somewhere and she ended up in hawaii somehow you know who knows so yeah yeah absolutely who knows but Oh, that's one of my favorite parts too, is uh, he like, you know, goofy looking John Wayne walks up in here, asks her out and she like immediately agrees. And then she references that she's a widow and he's like, oh, you know, nobody else has tried to like make a move before. And she's like, oh, a few have tried, um, but I just wasn't willing. But it's like until John Wayne comes up and that's like really that's what does it she's like you know what this is the guy like it's just this so is the guy oh yeah no she and then that scene where they like she they walk past the church and she's like i've got to go in and, and just, <laughs> you remember that yeah it's so stupid lightning struck me too <laughs> like trying to make them like so wholesome and you know it just i don't know it gross i the, i was like she was really into him. She was like really into John Wayne. And I was like, Nancy, not, he's, you're too good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I heard they got in um, political fights on set. So that's funny. Really? Yeah. She was like very liberal and she, <gasps> she, she hated the script from what I read. Uh, you know, it's, it was kind of tough to find a, a whole lot about this movie. So, I mean, Ryan sure. Salt, I guess this could be made up, but um, from what I, re- what I read, it sounds like uh, she didn't like the script, um, agreed to do the movie though, because like, you know, she's doing a movie with John Wayne and that will help her um, as an actor. And then also that she figured it would flop. Um, yeah. And so. Also spend like three months in Hawaii filming yeah like that's just kick ass sounds like a great time like yeah fun job uh and yeah but but apparently they they got into it sometimes i didn't i couldn't find specifics but be curious uh nancy olsen is still alive come on the podcast you know shout out nancy olsen yes uh so yeah that is that is what happens in the movie uh it is just weirdly strewn together and doesn't make a whole lot of coherent sense um the communists like reasoning for what they're doing is super vague and may or may not revolve around creating an outbreak i don't know i guess we're at odds about whether or not that's real (laughs) but i yeah i i really don't remember but i'm gonna take your word for it and say that there was like yeah some vague like plot i want to say too that there was something to do with like them trying to sabotage like a naval operation like a like a navy ship uh that was like coming back into port they were gonna like maybe they were gonna get all these navy guys sick or something yeah yeah that sounds about right that that feels like something that I. the point is that it was so vague and badly like described barely and badly acted that like we don't even know (laughs) (laughs) we're not 100 percent sure 
no, like large chunks of this movie are just testimonials from uh, uh, communists who have, uh, you know, escaped the grasp of communism and now see the error of their ways and are trying to make up for the fact that they were part of an evil in the world by helping HUAC to catch other communists. And it's so weird. The messaging is really weird to me too, because, uh, so I've been thinking about this. Uh, The movie sort of shows it like, okay, these characters that used to be communists, they're all good guys. There's no like, they're not morally gray. They are good upstanding Americans who want mm-hmm. to make a difference. And so yeah, they're like union leaders and nurses and like, whatever. They're like good people. Yes. Yeah. And they, then they, they want to, they're real patriots. They want to, they realize the error of their ways. So it's sort of like, you know, these people are, are victims to, you know, the brainwashing of communism. Uh, mm-hmm. But then anybody else who is an active communist doesn't get any sympathy. You know, John Wayne just and his partner just want to beat the shit out of him. So yeah. it's like this really weird, like, uh, I mean, which way is it? Like, you're not made to feel sympathy for any one of the communists, except for the reformed communists who say mm-hmm. things like um, th- there's that nurse that they talk to. And her quote I wrote down was... Um, uh, I came to my senses and recognized communism for what it is. It's a vast conspiracy to enslave the common man. Yep. <laughs> and, and you're like, sick, makes sense. Um, yeah, that makes 100% opposite, <laughs> opposite. Yeah, opposite, opposite. What was your response? Opposite. Well, yeah. and whenever anybody calls communism, like, see, I'm just like, it's just, that's that's like an anti-Semitic, like anti-communist trope. It's like, yes. Yeah. So yeah, that oh, sucks. Yeah, she was dumb. a great actress, though. That Japanese nurse, great actress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah <it> really, <laughs> really passes off the testimonial. Is, uh, yeah. Well, and that's another well, funny thing about. Um, I think part of it is because it's it's like a ninety minute movie, but it, well, and then part of it is just the messaging. It's like, uh, yeah, these people found the error of their ways, but there's no like real, um, there's no real attempt to like sort of counter what would make somebody be interested in communism it's not like well you can understand where these people are coming from because they are oh, yeah. untrodden or anything it's just like yeah i just i fell in with them and that was my bad uh, but it, it also doesn't tell like why they left it's just these weird like vague like ah oh, it turns out they wanted to enslave us and it's like well how so you know like there's no real argument um with yeah. any real meat to it I mean, not that there's a, even a good argument to be made of course but but you know they don't really try they don't even try yeah it's just like right. communism is evil. It's just, just uh, you know, fear mongering. That's the whole. Well, thing. and it's like you know the the quote the Michael Parenti quote uh, that we use in our intro. What do the communists do? Like this is this is mm-hmm. the question of the ages because like so much anti-communist um, rhetoric and anti-communist sentiment is is reliant on the fact that nobody actually understands what communism is and what communists actually like seek to achieve in the world and so that you know that this what you're describing this like completely vague like clouded definitions uh of communism is it fits perfectly with with the entire like industry of anti-communism is to just like perpetuate vague misinformation and to perpetuate like to reproduce this idea that communism and communist the communist party is just like a cult um and they do make it really culty between like between those two european guys the the communists who are like you know they're kind of dressed the same they're both wearing these like very short ties and these like (laughs) you know long (laughs) long like 50s um suit jackets and stuff and they they both have mustaches they you know kind of vaguely stalin-esque mustaches and they call each other comrade but then it's like oh like we could you know someone could be listening like don't call me comrade (laughs) (laughs) and um and then yeah the the kind of like lead communist guy the guy who's like i don't know they don't he's like the bond villain he's like yeah he's like the bond villain he's like the boss like the secret like you know head honcho kind of guy who's like giving all the orders calling all the shots he's the one who's saying like oh we're gonna like liquidate these people um he he's very like authoritarian like you know no we 
you just like do what I say, like this is coming from above, like don't ask questions, you know, you'll, it's for the good of the party or whatever, which is like completely, uh, you know, not how things work, (laughs) but that's how they wanted to make it seem that like, yeah, communism is just like this crazy cult, like, you know, anti-democratic authoritarian system of, of organizing. Yeah. I mean, it's all the classic stuff. Um, it's like, especially underdeveloped in this one too, which is, which is pretty funny. Um, it's so lazy in this one. It's so lazy. Yeah. yeah they really did. They didn't try very hard. The no. there's not like, like, okay, we watched red Dawn and at least in red Dawn, there are like distinct, um, characters like the bad guys. There's like two distinct characters, but you know, mm-hmm. they, they're still distinct somewhat. Like they have personality and, um, again like i'm not singing red dawn's praises by any means but it's just it goes to show like comparatively how lazy this is and that like there's these two guys um one is just like the more evil of the two and (laughs) it's just dumb Um, well and i i think maybe because like you know in comparing it to red dawn that like red dawn was produced way deeper in into the cold war way deeper into the history of the ussr Mm -hmm. whereas this movie is like pretty early on in that whole thing it's like right in the middle of the korean war they're kind of like just beginning to beat the drum of anti-communism and like domino theory and and all that kind of stuff like they're just they're just beginning to paint the picture of of the communist enemy so it's not as developed so it's a little lazier (laughs) yeah uh yeah no that's true that and that's it's it's also the first i i think uh, just kind of like a random thing, but I'm pretty sure it was the first Wayne Fellows production, which was, you know, John Wayne's production company. Oh, you're kidding. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the first. It was a Wayne Fellows production. And it was it was one of the first, if not the first, uh, which I thought was huh. funny. Like, it's clearly John Wayne really wanted to get this anti-communist movie made. Uh, yeah, him <laughs> him and John Milius, man, they're in this club. They're like, gotta, gotta make these trash movies to get our political message out there. That's the way. Uh, so at one point in the movie, his partner dies uh, in like the lamest way possible. Um, basically, like he goes to investigate some communists or something and they sneak up behind him and bop him on the head and he's like unconscious. And then it's just revealed that he's dead. And you're like, oh, that's weird. And then it's revealed that the reason he died is because he had a heart condition that he had never told anyone about. And so when they injected him with their like truth serum or whatever, they injected him yeah. with something. I don't know. <laughs> Sodi- sodium pentothal. Yeah. Okay. Pentothal, yes. Serum. Yes. So when they inject him with their truth serum, uh, he instantly has a heart attack and dies, uh, which is just like hilarious to me that like the ultra evil communists like accidentally killed his partner. That's so yes. funny. It's so that's- good. That's what I meant earlier is they like, they like John Wayne does not even do anything. The communists, like they sabotage, oh, sabotage themselves by like accidentally murdering someone and getting themselves into a fix. Yeah. Like it's completely stupid. No, it's so dumb. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. Um, but the one, the one part of the movie, like I, I was kind of into other than like I talked about, I think that there's some charm to the, the romance comedy stuff. Um, oh yeah. But he essentially has to go into the morgue and identify his partner. And he goes in and when they pull him out from the, you know, on the, on the sheet thing, uh, it doesn't show his partner. Uh, it's from the perspective of the corpse looking up at John Wayne. And he has this narration where he's talking about, um, you know, an obituary isn't good enough for this guy that, you know, fought in Korea and, and did all this stuff as a patriotic American. And the narration itself is dumb. Uh, but I just was kind of into the shot. I thought it was cool. Like this, this sort of like his reaction shot. Um, I don't know. It was kind of a cool element. There are like little flashes of kind of stylish things here and there. And that's like, like I said before, like, I didn't, I didn't really like notice that scene as much as you had, or wasn't as drawn to it. But, um, I think really it was because of John Wayne's like stupid voice and the stupid echo that they added, like that, that weird, like echoey quality they added to his, to his voice Mm -hmm. was really like cheesy to me, but yeah, like, like I I do agree that there are some nice like cinematic elements to this movie that are, that, that made it enjoyable to watch. Like maybe if I had muted the movie, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. 
well, I mean, you did say it's your favorite John Wayne picture, so. Oh my God, did I say that? You said it on Twitter. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, it's <laughs> it's it's. I mean, it really is a perfect film. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten because yeah. of Nancy Olsen, though. I want you to get a Nancy Olsen tattoo. <laughs> Like a like a pinup tattoo, but it's Nancy Olsen, you know. Oh my god! <laughs> from no specifically from Big Jim McLean. From this movie, yeah. yeah. Not from Sunset Boulevard. Not from mm-hmm. anything else. Yeah. Nope. No, I, I want all of her outfits. All of her outfits are amazing. Yeah, she has some good. like beautiful clothes. That white dress, the backless thing. Oh. Yeah. I guess yeah. Did we talk about the ending at all? Like the, that. I mean, you you talked about like oh the Fifth Amendment. Oh, we're so bummed. But then this fi- the final closing scene where Jim and Nancy are standing on the pier watching this, you know, platoon of, of soldiers, you know, young Marines, I think, board a ship. And they're, you know, the band is playing a, some kind of military anthem. It's, it's just the music and it's kind of quiet. You know, otherwise it's quiet. There's no dialogue. These soldiers are boarding the ship and... Nancy and Jim look at each other and wave at the soldiers and it's like bye that was just kind of like a left a bad taste in my mouth at the end of this movie because on the one hand it's like okay yeah this is like a big part of American culture like especially at this time and in a place like Hawaii where there's a military base um, a big military base you send your soldiers off and there's military stuff everywhere there's you know men in there uh, sailors in their their navy whites walking around it's just part of life but when you see these these like young soldiers in their fatigues, the camouflage, like getting on a ship with all their like battle rattle, thinking about the time that this was filmed, my like gut immediately went to like images of Full Metal Jacket, like the jungles of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is a little bit pre-Vietnam, so it was more just my imagination like running with it. But I just was like, those young boys are going off to fucking die. <laughs> Yeah. And they're going off to die because of this like propaganda campaign against communists. And so it's, I mean, that's how the movie ends. And it's like, you know, like I said, it's kind of this like classic nostalgic, like American thing. And it's, it's supposed to be kind of like a feel good, like, Oh, our brave boys. But when you look at it from a, uh, a broader perspective, it's like, it's pretty like grim actually. Yeah. I mean, and the scene's tone is, is you can practically see the American flag billowing in the wind over, like, oh, yeah. over what's happening. Like it doesn't literally do that, but it's the same effect as if it did uh, very mm-hmm. much like an obvious. Yeah. Of- it could have been one of those, like, you know, a newsreel, like propaganda film for, yeah. you know, for world war two, like, yeah, like let's send, send our brave boys off to war. And it's like, no, those are, those are people's sons. <laughs> they are going to die. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a, I, I, again, MASH made me a communist. Like it's hard for me to look at like <laughs> soldiers. You're uh, going <laughs> 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 It's hard for me to look at, at soldiers, like getting ready to, to deploy and not think about that. And like, I have personal experience with like, what, like watching those mobilization ceremonies mm-hmm. where there's like a band and, you know, the governor comes to shake every soldier's hand as they like board the bus off to their fucking, you know, their next training that they before they they mobilize overseas. And it's like all these weeping families. And it's like it's actually it's the the art, the military tries to make it like a big you know spectacle and everything. It's actually a very depressing thing. Anyway, that's that's my like kind of feeling about the end of the movie it's sort of funny because we finished the movie and we latched onto very different things. And I I actually really like that because uh, I totally agree with everything you're saying. It wasn't lost on me. I just, because I'm like dumb and stubborn, like was so (laughs) caught on the fact of like, hold on, what the fuck was the point of this 90 (laughs) minutes? If nothing even happens, like I was so worked up about it. Um, Yeah. You were pissed. (laughs) I I was just like, it couldn't even be like, then the communists went to prison forever. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, you know, like, right. it just, it was so like, I, I was genuinely shocked at the way it ended. It's kind of hilarious. Well, and I mean, you, you did already talk about how it's like, um, it's, it's just proof of like how ineffective HUAC actually was in like, yeah. actually like creating any kind of like legal outcome that they like, you know, ostensibly sought to create. Uh, it just, it was just a witch hunt and it was, it was all, you know, basically illegal. And 
you know, the, the line, one of those final lines that um, John Wayne, uh, or maybe it's the narration, it's his narration where he's like, I can't believe that these people are allowed to, you know, there are all these wonderful things in our constitution. I can't believe that these people are allowed to, to twist it. Yes. Uh, so at the end of the movie, they do the trial and uh, all the guys are set free because they played mm-hmm. the fifth. And the one uh, like cop guy says to John Wayne, I wonder how Mal would have felt about this fifth amendment. And Mal is his dead partner. And John Wayne. Oh, Mal. Response, I thought, Zach, I thought you said Mal. <laughs> oh, Mal. Yeah. How would Mal have felt? How would Mal? Mal. Short oh. for Malcolm. Uh, they Okay. Malcolm. Um, and then John Wayne's response is, he died for it. There are a lot of wonderful things written into our Constitution that were meant for honest, decent citizens. I resent the fact that it can be used and abused by the very people that want to destroy it. Which is just so fucking hilarious. It's like such, like what? Like what Disgusting. do you even believe in, you dipshit? Yeah. Exactly. It's that whole thing of like rights for me and not for you. Yeah. Like we, the Constitution applies only to the people that I wanted to apply to and it's just it's just fucking ridiculous it, it's completely anti-democratic the way that these people like view the constitution and yeah. it, it's it's disgusting it's, it's really fitting too because it really is that funny like they want to destroy the constitution meanwhile the fifth amendment is the villain of this movie like <laughs> right exactly these are the right. same people who would be like we have to yeah we have to repeat they would they would advocate for repealing the fifth amendment if they could you know, right. like if if it came to that. But then it's like whenever, you know, whenever their rights are, you know, infringed upon, as they claim. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's like what happened, you know, what happened to my right. Yeah. Fucking stupid. Yeah. Again, Ben Shapiro has argument just Basically. completely like it doesn't make any sense. Yes. Uh, well, so, yeah, that's the end. That's big Jim McLean. Um, do you have any additional closing thoughts? No, I think that's it. Uh, I have one. This is what I was holding off on. I think we should remake the movie. Let's just remake Big Jim McLean. What do you say? Um, <laughs> only if we can get Nancy Olsen. Oh, she'll reprise her role. Yeah, she's coming out of retirement to, oh, to play the same character. This time, though, it'll be like a flip, you know, whereas like John Wayne was like much older than her. Um, the John Wayne replacement actor is going to be much younger than her. Um, yes, much, she's a cougar. Much younger than her. Yeah, it's oh, it's going to be fun. Uh, but like, you know, I there were parts of the movie that are just so funny to me that it's like it's like so close to parody. Uh, mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the fact that like, I know that John Wayne made this movie and uh, <laughs> like it served a very specific purpose. Like it could be, I think we could just remake it and it would be a masterpiece of like, you know. I, I can kind of see where you're coming from, you know? Cause like, uh, I haven't seen Dr. Strangelove in a long time, but mm. Dr. Strangelove has this, I mean, obviously Dr. Strangelove is, is satirical, but yeah there are these elements where if you didn't know like the context and you didn't know that it was satire, you might kind of look at it and think, Oh wow, this is really real. Yeah. Well, man, Dr. Strange love kicks ass. That movie, is... that, does, that movie does kick ass, but it scares I, so I, I can kind of see what, what, what you're, what you're, where you're coming from. Yeah. Dr. Yeah, Strange style remake, remake of big Jim McClain. Uh, yeah. we should we should think about casting we need to find our john wayne uh you know yeah we, we should we should talk about this but uh in a future episode maybe it'll just be us giving our plans for our big jim mcclain remake so look out for that yeah it'll it'll be our pitch that we're we can send to producers yes it'll be so good it'll be like how kevin smith keeps just like making movies up on podcasts and then making them for some reason that'll be us but with big jim mcclain the remake yes hell yeah we can like crowdfund it if it doesn't get picked up yeah just that's what kevin smith does i'm pretty sure that's just all his movies now so oh my god let's do it i'll all right it's it's time didn't you make this. didn't you make kevin smith laugh once can't you call him up i can you're right i did i told i i made him laugh once in person uh Ugh. so i'll be like hey you remember that rorschach kid i am that kid and it'll, it'll be perfect bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yes. all grown up all grown up yeah, so uh, Big Jim McClain remake. We're going to make it. Uh, look out for that. We'll talk about it more in future episodes. This is 100% a real idea. We are not kidding. This is a passion project of ours. Yes, not kidding at all. 
Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, you know, check us out in the next couple of weeks. We'll have another episode. Uh, TBD, get ready. It's going to be great. Hell yeah. Follow us on Twitter at unamericanpod. Is there an underscore? Unamerican underscore pod? <laughs> you know what? There might be. You know how it is on Twitter, though. Just type in words with unamerican. And Just type in words. Eventually. You'll find yeah. us eventually. We have like 10 yeah. followers. Become our 11th or whatever. Yes. Yes. I think we're stag- we've stagnated at, at 10 followers. Yeah. I keep following people hoping that they'll follow back. I keep making new accounts to follow it. So. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> no, I, I haven't really. I haven't. I should. <laughs> I'm thinking about it now. I'm going to make the Big Jim McLean remake Twitter page today and then oh, follow perfect. it with that. Yeah, it'll be perfect. I'll perfect. have like five Whoa. Twitter accounts. Oh hell yeah. Love it. Yes, 10 out of 10. <sighs> All right. All right, gang. All right, listeners. Peace out, gamers. <laughs> See you later. Bye.